Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 51. I'm your host, Brian. With me this evening is Ian. Good evening, everybody. And of course, Mac. Hey. And of course, our now most famous host. She's an atheist. She's a skeptic, a feminist, and a traitor. Welcome, Kimberly. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> So I guess How we'll start right afraid? there. Huh? Yeah, you let, let's just start. Let, let's go. Let's just go into it here. What happened, Kimberly? <laughs> well, I I was not under any kind of understanding that we had an exclusive thing, Brian. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't know. Um, so you have an open with, podcasting with relationship. I guess. I guess it's an open. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I guess we we should have talked about it before, but we yes, should, I uh, I got the chance to appear on the Invisible Sky Monster podcast, and it just came out um, I guess just last week, uh, and I got to do it with uh, Dumbass, who we talked about last time, and a member of the Skep Skepticons. I think I'm saying that right. Um, I believe her name was Rebecca. Okay, yeah, like Leprechaun. Leprechauns, but with skeptics in them, because they're from Ireland. And uh, um, Rebecca was on there as well. She had, she was great. Um, both of them were were really fun to talk to, and uh, absolutely loved her accent. And and she had such great things to say too. And then and then said them in a great accent. So that was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we did most of the podcast was about feminism and you know some of the intersections between feminism and uh, the skeptics movement, um, the atheism movement. And just some of the things you just see in, uh, in, in society, I guess. So, um, I had a lot of fun doing it. I didn't mean to break anyone's heart <laughs> by doing it. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, no, no. I, it was just funny. The, the email exchange that, uh, dumbass and I had afterwards, uh, yeah, it was very, yeah, it was, very it was a lot cute. of fun. Yeah, it was, <laughs> we were, we were fun. But I do, I encourage people to check it out. We've got a link on the, on the show notes. Um, so it was, it was, it was a lot of fun getting to do something new like that. And, um, and yeah, and like I said, I, I, you know, I know Dumbass has, has mentioned having some other people on too. And I think he does a really great, you know, great show of just putting a, a whole bunch of people together and just kind of seeing what's happened, what happens. Well, I've so. listened to his body of work with the uh, exception of this latest episode. He's He's got a pretty entertaining podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was great. And I'll just run right into other announcements besides my traitorous ways. I want to first mention one that happened in the past. This 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 past weekend, we had an open house at the uh, Grand Hyatt, where the AAA conference is going to be in September. Um, I've mentioned it before. It's it's going to be the national conference. Um, we're still working on our speakers list and everything, but it should be pretty big. We're expecting somewhere around 800 people. There's a lot of conversation going on right now. I think by the next episode. Uh, I'll be able to announce some stuff like a website where people who want to volunteer and get involved can go to a little bit easier than they can right now. Right now, the information is a little bit scattered, but I think it's I think it's going to wind up being a really great conference. We've got a ways to go, certainly, but we've got a couple of months to do it in, and um, we've got a lot of commitment from a lot of people. So I think that's going to be good. Uh, Brian was able to make it, too, yeah, I was so I just down wanted there. to open that up and see if you had any thoughts. Or well, I actually my my thoughts are more about the uh, the place we went to dinner afterwards. Oh, what do you, we went we went down to the Mercury Cafe, and I've never been to this place. I, I, I the name, you know, was should have been a tip off, and it, it kind of was. But you you walk in there, and it's you know, the, it's all. 
it has, I don't know, what would you call that feeling? It's it's a hard one to explain. I, I've only been there a couple of times before. It When I first um, came out, it was a place I used to take first dates because it, it is such a unique kind of place. But it's very hippie. hippie. Um, it's, you know, I, I, there's no, the only meat on the menu is chicken and elk, I think. Um, um, no, they had, a, they actually, didn't they have a braised? Was it braised elk? It might have been braised elk. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Well, when I hear mercury, I think of either queen or heavy metal poisoning. So, well, I think it was ethyl mercury. So I think you're okay there. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that they would. It's serve definitely methyl. an interesting place to go. They have lots of different events there and stuff like that. It's a Denver icon, I guess you'd say. <laughs> it's <laughs> you very. Go I've, heard of it. I've heard of it, but never been there. Yeah, yeah well, give it a try time. It'll it'll be eye opening for well, you. Well, and so there's a card on the table that that said, you know, tarot <laughs> card readings for Mr. Wizard, and I thought, oh, hey, it's the wizard, the guy who came to. It wasn't. It's a different wizard. Can you imagine another guy going around this city calling himself the wizard? Yeah. It was pretty funny, though, having a whole group of atheists sitting at a table with advertisements for tarot readings in the back room. Well, not to mention, so I'm talking to, to, to Mike, Michael, and the person at the table, you know, behind him was doing everything she possibly could not to listen to me. Every, like, she'd hear me talking about acupuncture and she, you know, she'd, she'd like pick up, she'd like look at her book and start reading out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a bastion of woo. It it is. Yeah. It is. So it was a, it was an odd place for us to go, but um Saturday night um, well, down the 16th Street Mall is a little more difficult to get a table for 15 or 16. Right, that didn't turn out so well. But you got to remember also, I mean, we're there with with atheists, that's the atheist group, not the skeptics group. I I don't think the skeptics group would would have would have done so well there. No. Okay, I I'm trying to imagine Brian and Baxter there. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would have it would have been a more interesting evening. Yes. In, in an already interesting evening. So, um but yeah, I again just wanted to to kind of mention it um and uh like I said I'll have more information on that soon. So I'm going to run real quick through a whole bunch of uh local events and I won't spend too much time on any of them. So, um this Wednesday we've got 60 minutes in space at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. I'll definitely be there for that. And then I will be up in Boulder for the separation of church and state panel with the ACLU. That sounds really interesting to me. Let's see. Saturday, we've got our IIG Colorado Research Techniques uh, meeting. On Monday the 30th, Cafe Sci 2, which is over at Brooklyn's. It's a panel on the water in Colorado and how it affects the land and plants and stuff like that. Sounds kind of environmentally interesting. Then, um, then nothing for a couple, for a little bit, but on the 12th of February, this is Sunday, the Humanists of Colorado is doing their monthly meeting and, uh, they're going to be discussing the Citizens United decision, basically by the Supreme Court that has allowed for a lot of what we see in the politics today with these super PACs and these not affiliated directly with the candidate ads that we see all over television. It's really, I think, very much changed the the scene of politics in America. It should be interesting hearing more about it, because I, I, I really don't know everything that happened, even though it all happened very recently. Mm-hmm. Y'all watch so, Colbert. Yeah. You know, I have been watching it, and the stuff he's doing, I think, is absolutely hysterical. But, you know, you have to do keep in mind that he's a sad a satirist. Um, yes. Yeah. 
and there's 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 some real science and political well, science done, behind all this. He's done the whole legal thing. He has a legal super PAC, and everything mm -hmm. he's done has been legal within you know following the rules of it and going you know. So it, it, it even though yeah, he, you know, it, it's satire. But he's doing it legally. He's showing the process. He's showing the flaws. He's showing just how easy it really is. And you know, he, uh, that you know, that, to me, that's part of the brilliant satire. If you do it right, and you say, "Listen, this is how you actually do it." That's the very you know, best satire. Yes, but the very best satire is absolutely true. And you can you can't say anything about it is wrong. And it pokes fun at the process and the process. But isn't he making a mockery of our of our political system by doing this? He, it's already been made a mockery. He's just showing <laughs> just <laughs> how bad of a mockery they made it. All right, move on. Okay. Did but by the way, did anybody ever hear what numbers Herman Cain got in South Carolina? It for wasn't the, very much. For the vote for Cain, you're voting for Colbert. Yeah, it was no, low. It was nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, I I don't know. I the number one percent sticks in my mind, but it might might have gotten more than that. I remember it being low. Yeah, I figured it was. It was such I mean, the whole thing was such a surprise. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's not go too far into politics, I guess. Um, anyway, that's what the meeting at the Humanist is going to be about. Um, I've been really loving on the Humanist lately. I, I definitely encourage people to get more involved there, um, just because I like it a lot. And that's the only uh, reason you should do it's anything, about right? You. you know it. It's all about you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, to move on on our announcements, Monday, uh, February 13th at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, it's Darwin Day. And then two days later, Neil deGrasse Tyson is going to be at CU. I just heard about this tonight, but that's pretty exciting. He's he's a pretty amazing speaker. And it looks like some people from the Mile High Skeptics are going to get together beforehand for dinner. I don't know if anyone's working on getting Tyson there or not, which would be awesome. But, um, yeah, it'd be oh, cool if we could see him the night before, too. like we did Randy. Yeah, yeah, it would be great. And then finally on my calendar, Saturday the 18th of February, the Mile High Skeptics are drinking skeptically. Brian, I think you're kind of involved in the organization that with Jennifer, is that right? Yeah, she. Uh, it's her birthday, and she wanted to have a drinking skeptically. So oh, well, I didn't know it was her birthday. Yeah, so awesome. we set it up. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you purposely pick that place because I might actually be able to make it? Yeah, well, we got to get you out to something, you lazy ass. <laughs> I mean, exactly within walking distance of my house. I, there's a good chance I'll make it. Good. Good. All In fact, right. I might after park at your house at and drag place. your ass over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the after party. Uh, Herman Cain got 161 votes. Oh, okay. That's it, huh? Bachman pulled 350. We probably want to mention also that uh, January 20th was Penguin Awareness Day. See, I had no idea. That's why everyone should be using events at AmateurSkeptics.com to inform me of those events. But could you tell us more? Well, I could tell you that it's a day set aside for people to be to celebrate penguins. I can tell you that the person whose article I'm looking at right now believes that penguins are amphibians. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not... The Penguin Awareness Day isn't sounding so good. <laughs> yeah, the, I think the article I'm looking at on Penguin Awareness Day is probably not the best source. Or bogus. You have to be aware of the fact about penguins first, I would think. I'm aware penguins exist. Does that count? Well, it sounds like we need to move on to some real science. All right. Brian, what do you have to tell us about? All right. Well, NASA observed a coronal mass ejection from the sun this week, last week. Uh, they saw a solar flare, and it was pointed right at Earth. The, see, so the duration was an M32 class solar flare. And I'm not exactly sure. I couldn't find a scale to find out where they meant, but they said basically, you know, there'll be some lights. 
uh, which I, I didn't see anything. It was supposed to hit us on the 21st. But what was interesting about this is though I put this up on my Facebook and, you know, I, I think it was in jest, but the guy's like, Hey, back up your data. I'm like, well, if this is what it takes you to get to do, get you to do something that you should be doing anyway, good on you. <laughs> Now, was this a premature ejection? Uh, it was, n- it was not a premature, uh, um, coronal mass ejection. It was, uh, uh it yeah, might folks. be premature in that the sun has not hit its solar maximum yet. And which, it, it did, what's that? It, it did talk about increased aurora. Yeah. But, um, we don't see the aurora from down here anyway. So it would have to be pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So probably there were some increased auroras, but that's about it. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So Canada might have gotten some good views of it, but we yeah. haven't gotten this far. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff, though. Just, you know, you kind of think of the sun as just burning, but the more in-depth looks at it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really wild what goes on there. And, and, you know, I just kind of always wonder, like, like, I don't think anyone really knows the cause of these flare-ups. Like, why that particular spot should have suddenly gotten yeah. overheated. No. I mean, we, we it's really amazing. Yeah, no, but we do know that the sun is supposed to be going into, you know, a, a more increased activity state. It, it hasn't happened on the cycle that we expected it to. Um, and despite some claims, we can't predict um, solar flares. There's, there's no pattern to them. That, you know, you can't no. say, oh, there's going to be one that happens every so often. There's nothing like that. Right, but in this <laughs> case, when after after we saw this, we had three days to prepare. And so they had an, a good idea of the magnitude of it and what they were going to have to do. Now, it doesn't say whether they had to shut down any satellites or anything like that, but I, but it wasn't strong enough to, you know, to knock out a power station or anything. Most solar flares aren't really right. strong enough to make any real effect. Despite, there's a lot of conspiracy stuff out there saying, oh, well, the solar flare that happens every five days will affect this, this, and then this. And the one they predicted to happen in 2013 is going to do that. You know, you hear weird stuff like that, but right. we can't predict solar flares. The majority of them we won't even notice and really have no effect on us. You know, and the ones that do have an effect on us, it's very mild. Yeah. So, and in this case, you know, there were some extra lights. But back up your data anyway, people. <laughs> it's always good. Well, it, it's it's too late now because it's long past two days past the time when it was actually. Dude, I warned you it was on my Facebook. Yep. So, so your inability to pay attention, it, you know, <laughs> my, it could have cost you. Could have been disastrous. It could have. <laughs> disastrous, literally meaning the stars are against us. <laughs> right. Exactly. Seriously, that's the etymology of the word. Oh, well, there you go. The stars, yeah, literally the star. Okay. All right. And now on to something way more serious. Yeah, um, this was disturbing. Yeah, so, this is some of that disturbing stuff that's still going on around the world. Uh, the article is, Child Sacrificed, Liver Offered to Gods. And this is um, on Yahoo News, is where I found it. Um, according to this article, a seven-year-old Indian girl was murdered for sacrifice and her liver offered to the gods to improve crop growth, according to the police in the state of Chittisgah. I can't pronounce it. Don't try. <laughs> but um, they found the body um, in October, one week after she was reported missing, and basically... Found that she was sacrificed by these guys who believed that that act would um, appease the gods and give a better harvest. And so it you know, apparently it, took them two months to track down whoever did it. Yeah, because they were just arrested on Wednesday. If this was actually if this was done in October, that would be about three, three and a half months. About three and a half months. Yeah, it doesn't say when in October though. So and January first is the date of the article. So about two and a half months. Here's so. here's what though I I think should be reported as uh, whether or not it worked. 
I mean, because clearly that, I mean, clearly that this, this happened because these people had a belief. So, yeah. so I think part of, part of what has to happen here is it, there needs to show that, listen, this didn't make any difference. Like, you know, Perry and his rain dancing. I mean, that, that's right. part of, of what I think needs to happen here to, to educate the public that, listen, these things don't work. There has to be another step to this. And unfortunately, I bet most of the articles that are in this are not in English. We're getting a very small right. smidgen of what's going on. I would really like to know what the conversation has been like. Yeah, and you want to be a little well, careful of that, though, Brian. I mean, imagine the crops were especially good this year. Well, I mean, yeah, it could that that could bite me, right? Um, yeah, but yeah. now they're killing kids every month or so. Uh, well, yeah, well, I, I, I don't yeah, know I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a short article, well, but finished up saying there were two suspected child sacrifices um, since 2010, while in the same year the decapitated body of a factory, factory worker was found in a temple. So, you know, it seems like this is starting to happen more frequently out there. This is in India where it's taking place. My guess, I guess my question is, how frequently is it actually happening that Yahoo News is picking up on it now? And is it happening far more often than we suspect? Well, yeah, I, or is this just just Yahoo being a little sensational? Because Yahoo does tend to be sensational. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. You're right, Kimberly. I, I guess the, the I guess my point is that there needs to be some action here to, to let people know that th- this is superstition and it doesn't work. Right. Not necessarily no, I, whether I, or not I, her, this particular incident there. worked. That in general, this stuff but, is there's no correlation. Yeah, but this falls in the same kind of stuff as what we've seen with exorcisms and such. You know, demon possession. There's the same type of mentality. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all superstition. It's all leading to pointless deaths that should never happen, and it's all because there's such a strong urge for people to go for the superstitious aspects of life. And, you know, it's disturbing that this, you know, in our modern day, this is still happening. Yeah. It adds to all the other stuff we keep running across that we keep saying. It's disturbing. What the hell's wrong with people? Well, our well, days are only as modern as the people who are living. And we've still got people who are back in the dark ages. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, here's the thing. I, I don't know whether if this photo is stock footage, but it's a hut. <laughs> It looks like it because I see the same photo below it for another article. Yeah, that and that might be that it's just stock footage and, and we can't we can't learn anything from it, which is unfortunate. Um, but I mean, it's a, the 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 places where these people are, they might not. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a different mentality for sure. Well, I'm not exactly sure of that, and You're not? Okay. I just seem to be transition girl today. So let's transition to our <laughs> next articles, which I think are about people living in the dark ages right here in good old Rhode Island. Okay, very good. Jessica Alquest is a uh, how old is she? Fifteen years old? Sixteen? I think she's sixteen. Sixteen. So, um, in her school in Rhode Island, there was a a prayer on the wall, and it and it included our heavenly Father in it. And it, it, the 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 banner that has the prayer has been up there in that school for a long time. A very long you time. Know, yeah. Of the school. Which is part of the problem. Um right. And so, and she she felt it was unconstitutional. It is unconstitutional. Well, okay. Right. And so she went to the ACLU. And I don't know if she had asked them to take it down prior or not. I don't. I don't know. I believe she had. Yeah, she probably had. I mean, she seemed to be on top of how she should do this. So she went to the uh, ACLU. And the ACLU agreed with her, and they sued the district. So after a lengthy court battle, the the court came back and said it was unconstitutional. They had to take it down. So there was a a rally, I guess, 
And uh, the video shows all these people coming in with, you know, with these signs around their neck that say appeal. And they were letting people talk about, you know, whether whether or not they they felt like they should, whether or not they should spend the money to appeal. And people were booing her. Apparently the city doesn't actually have the money to appeal. Well, they probably don't. I mean, they didn't have the money for this initial battle in the first place. And you would think that, I don't know, you would hope that they would say, yeah, she's right, it's unconstitutional, we, we have to, we have to take it down. But they didn't, they fought it. And it cost them a lot of money. And I guess there, um, she was award, I guess she was awarded some money. And she, she plans to, um, uh, to donate that or something. There were, there were some articles about that, but, she was being booed and, and the mayor, um, got, got on him and said, listen, this is not okay. You, you expect to be respected when you're up here. You need to respect her. What's that? It was the superintendent. Said that. Was it the superintendent? Okay. Oh, okay. And the one from the mayor is saying, listen, this has gone too far. We, we, we got it. The superintendent was like, listen, this is a bad example. Don't, don't teach this to your kids because, you know, you may not agree with her, but you, you don't want that your kid to be getting this thing where, oh, you don't agree with someone. You boo them, you put them down, you make them feel, um, like they don't belong. Cause that's definitely the wrong way to go about it. So I, I definitely applaud so, the superintendent. So they're teaching their kids whining and bullying and screaming and crying to get their own way right instead of respecting the process and the law i mean really she's i mean jessica's right she's going about this in a legal appropriate manner she's not attacking people and she's quite eloquent when she speaks uh, you know everything i've listened to her writing is, is very good I, I've, I've read some conversations with her talking to people online trying to educate them so i mean she's she's an impressive um impressive young lady and so the um the freedom um freedom from religion foundation has given her a um a scholarship and and they're taking donations for that isn't that right Kim Yeah I actually contributed a little bit to it and, I, and from what I saw they've raised about $30,000 already um and I also believe that she's going to be speaking at the Reason rally in um DC in is it March March yep yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely exciting to see, you know, you don't get to meet sometimes the future leaders of a movement when they're 16, but I, I think we have met one of them. Um, and this is, this isn't the first time in the last two years. And there was, um, there's been a lot of this kind of stuff lately with, I, I can't remember the kid's name now, but last year at graduation. In Texas, yeah. Yeah, um, who again got this same kind of really disgusting treatment from adults who should know so much better and clearly don't because they're, they're the worst offenders of the whole thing. And then they, they get their kids to, you know, kind of parrot the same crap. Yeah, I, you know, it's just, it's just really interesting to see some really, really brave kids standing up for, for themselves, for what's right, for what's constitutional. It's, it's very exciting. Well, it's interesting you should, I mean, you should talk about, you know, about, I mean, she clearly seems to be an independent thinker, but we have a story coming up from a young lady who I'm not so sure that she came up with the idea on her own. Right. Well, I've seen some comments on here saying that um, this is an example of parents using their um, kid to get their ideas across. Well, yeah. let, let's go ahead. I mean, can we move on to... Do, do we want to jump all the way to that? Yeah, let's jump all the way to that because I because in a lot of ways I, I see these stories as um I mean both these people have an opinion and this uh, and this next one is an opinion um that I don't agree with but yet okay. this young lady is stepping up and she she really even though I don't agree with her opinion should be um commended for um standing up for, for standing up you know uh, yeah okay so what Brian's referring to um is 
a um, video that was released by a 14-year-old Girl Scout who was upset that the Girl Scouts were allowing transgender people to become Girl Scouts. Basically, physical boys who identified themselves as girls who wanted to become Girl Scouts. In this case, a well, seven-year-old... Apparently, just one transgender child at this well, point, right? No, no, it sounds like there's several. Yeah, it okay. sounds like there are others, but this one is the one that really sparked her. Um, basically, the seven-year-old physical boy who identified himself as a girl, feels he's a girl, um, wanted to join the Girl Scouts. And according to the Girl Scouts charter, the actual rules, that's actually allowable. They um, do not discriminate in that regard. If you um, consider yourself a girl, they will consider you a girl as well. Right. They don't and, ask for proof of gender. And what they've said is that they take these things on a case by case basis. So they, so they're not trying to make a sweeping, this is how it is. Um, right. what they're saying is that on a case by case basis, we'll evaluate it and, and we'll make a call. And in this case, initially they said no. And then they, then they came back and said yes. Um, to this, right. to this, See, uh, the funny thing is, um, the child in question ha didn't even end up joining Girl Scouts. Well, anyways. yeah. Yeah. He, but he was permission to. Now, what bothered me the most in, throughout the video, not, it wasn't about her expressing her opinion of it. It was the fact that she kept bringing up this weird idea of protection. Yeah. Saying the Girl Scouts are supposed to protect the girls. What harm is a seven year old transgender going to do? I mean, <laughs> legitimately, um, they will have to provide separate facilities for physical boys. Well, let, which let's. I understand that. Okay, let, let's but, defend her point a little bit here because she's talking about up to age 18. She's not talking about a seven year old. She's talking about if this person continues on. Through through scouts, but what, and ends what up harm being... is going to be done? See, to me, that's offensive as a male, and I, oh. I have a perfect story to fit this. Back in high school, my sister would babysit for a friend of hers all the time. Well, there was one time when my sister couldn't do it, and my oh. sister said, "Hey, listen, my brother's available, and I'm great with kids. I've always been great with kids." And my sister actually said this: "Hey, you know, my brother's available. I can't do it for you. Why don't I let him watch it?" Her friend had a serious issue about letting a male babysit her daughter for her, just because I was a guy. That's it. Well, this, you know what? I mean, this is a, this is a bigger issue than just you in this one instance. I mean, this is an, this is an issue with all childcare facilities. Not, and, right. and not, I mean, they, they would but, probably not want to hire a male to be in a, in a classroom. And we could, and we could ask Jen about yeah, this or I'm even Sarah. About that. Yeah. Um, you couldn't, they can't be in the infant room where you actually have to change the diapers and stuff. I know that. Sarah told me that. I can't remember what else. There were some other rules about it as well. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. But yeah. Rules. Out there now, but that I mean that's a separate issue. I mean, really, that that's a separate issue from what we're talking about right. here. But th that's that's also a sexism issue. Oh yeah, it, it okay. Is related to this, but I'm going to one. I'm going I think to I need to point out. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to give a personal thing in my experience, in my life experience. The one, and I'm not going to go into detail because I, I, you know, it's a personal incident, direct incident I had when I was a kid regarding sexual abuse came from a female babysitter. Not a male babysitter, a female babysitter. So, you know, right, right away, I, I can tell you, my life started off saying, no, this general stereotyping of the male, males being the ones to do all this is wrong. You know, there, there's a more complicated issue here, and it comes back to the, the, the idea of transgendered and a 14 year old. I, I don't, Kimberly, can you speak to this a little bit? You know, I didn't get to, to watch and read all of this yet, um, and I feel bad because I was a Girl Scout for, for many years myself, and I've always been very proud of the Girl Scouts um, because they 
they really do, especially when you compare it to the Boy Scouts of America, have really stood up for human rights, for doing the right thing, even yeah. when it's complicated. Like you said, if you have to make new facilities or, or exceptions to do this, they have, and from my experience with them and what I've read, have always said, it doesn't matter if we need to move, you know, hell and high water, doing the right thing is the most important thing. I've always been very proud of them for that. And I think in this case, if there was a transgendered kid who wanted to get in, I, I, I personally believe the right thing to do would be to let them in. I, I do as well. Um, I, I think that the same thing could, should be said about Boy Scouts as well, but I suspect that they would not allow that. Right. Well, the Boy, Boy Scouts has unfortunately been really kind of compromised by the Mormon influence in the last 30 years, and there's lots the of stuff Scouts. on there. We could do a whole episode on it, yeah. really. Yeah. I want to I, I throw out here one important fact about both the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. Both of these are private organizations, which is the difference between that and the situation in Rhode Island, where it was a it was a government facility. Right. Right. You know, essentially, it was a public school. Oh no, they have the right to reject these people. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Um, but the Girl Scouts have come out and said, "Hey, listen, we they they've said, you know, we'll make a case by case basis." And this this young lady. And she does, though, in there say, my family and I were, you know, so yes. clearly the, yeah. their family believes the exact same thing. That doesn't mean that it's not all that, that she wouldn't have come up with this independently. Okay. But she's the one who went, who took the initiative to make this video. Now, there's some things that concern me here. It concerns me that the video has been taken down. Is she getting threats and stuff? I, I couldn't find any information about that. I, I, I wonder why they decided to take it down. Yeah, that's, that I, it says here in the thing I'm looking at that it was just replaced by a shorter version. Well, but the shorter version, it, if you click on it, it says taken down by user. Oh, okay. I mean, it, I, I could understand parents wanting to take their kid's video down if it's getting that much usage. I, again, I didn't I didn't read the particulars about this. I haven't seen that that's what it is, but... We don't know, you know why There's, there's people who don't want their kid's pictures on Facebook, well, and let I, and alone I, a heated on discussion other, on YouTube. If that's the reason, she I'm okay have, with that. She may have had a change of heart, too. Well, somebody I, may have talked her into a change of heart. I, I don't know. I just People wish don't that... Know. I'd like to have a little bit more information as to why it was taken down because I hope she's not getting threats. I hope that this isn't becoming a violent issue because it probably is getting threats. Well, that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, that that never helps. But then go to the Honest Girl Scout page, which is linked to that. And what you see is a page that is like hugely anti-Planned Parenthood. And once more, they go with the ignorance of, oh, Planned Parenthood is all about abortion. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, we've all, we've been through this already. Planned Parenthood, 3% of what they do is abortion. The majority of what they do is actual women's health issues for women in need. <laughs> that That's the main thing they're about. And here we are, this site, Honest Girl Scouts, is all about criticizing Planned Parenthood, criticizing um, accurate, intelligent sex education, criticizing a lot of stuff like that that we already know is actually beneficial to, to people. And, you know, the, the site really bothered me. I was looking through, skimming through it, looking at what they're about, and, you know, it's... To me, it was rather insulting because it really was, you know, uh, same, hit one of the headlines here. They, they, they're pushing pro-lesbian, pro-abortion role models. The Honest Girl Scouts page looks like one person's very, very narrow viewpoint of what Girl Scouts should be about to them. Okay. Right. And the lady that, um, she has a video um, that's linked to from there about her up, you know, with her, with her sign and, and, and her issue. I mean, and, and she has a right to feel that way. Good for her. I don't yep. particularly agree with her. I also don't agree with the with the uh, this other fourteen year old girl. But once again, I 
she, I appreciate well, I that, said, that she stood up well, for herself. Oh, no, I, I, I agree with that. But one of my main problems was he was trying to say there's some sort of threat there. There's some sort of harm that's going to be done to these girls. And I'm like, okay. no, that's... Well, Brian, let me throw this Well, she you. felt threatened. What I mean, she she felt like there was a threat there, and she expressed that. That I, I don't have a problem with that. She didn't, give any, she didn't give any rational reasoning to the idea well, of Well, I understand that, she too. She just said, oh, the Girl Scouts have to protect us. From what? What do you think is going to happen if transgenders are in there? Guess what? If, if they really identify themselves as girls and not guys, they're not interested in you in any way like that. You know, oh, my God, they might see you naked and say, oh, well, I'm not interested. Sorry. <laughs> Is that really, you know, horrible? Maybe she's afraid they're yeah. going to steal her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I well, don't know. Well, so I, anyway, I so my she's... My question to you, Brian, Yeah. to you personally, you've got three kids, daughters. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have them join a Girl Scouts organization that allows people of other, other, uh, you know, other genders? Or would you rather have them join a Girl Scouts organization that doesn't? Oh, I'd rather have one that joins one that allows them. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to defend her position. I understand that. And, and I well, didn't hear all of her explanations and stuff. Her it explanations are to poor. me without hearing it. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to make an accusation here. That it's similar to the people who are against gay marriage and that they feel that if they're not allowed to discriminate, that's discriminating against yeah, but, them. It's kind of like that, yeah. Because he didn't give okay. any rational reasoning. She just kept quoting stuff like the, the Girl Scouts is supposed to protect the girls. She said that, you know, several times throughout it. And she really never became rational in what the harm was going to be, what damage was going to be done. Nothing like that was ever presented. She just said it was going to cause harm. So well, she was she basically was, making I, an appeal to fear without telling right. us what she was afraid of. I agree right. with that. She did not make her position. She she didn't make it to to an extent that it would that it would sway me. Well, right? she's fourteen. Well, okay, but I, I, once probably again, not learned the debate yet. But. Well, pro- but, probably not. There was this attitude of you have to be afraid of this because you have to be afraid of this, and that you know. Right, she didn't seem to have cause for her fears. Yeah, but so that doesn't that doesn't mean that she didn't have fears though. Yeah, but that's yeah, but, but if their fears based on just people being different, that's that's pretty lame. I mean, <laughs> well, you could okay, have yeah. a fear about it, but do I really need to endorse your fear of other people? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. at some point, yeah, go have your fear and go lock your shit in the basement because who the fuck cares? If you're a bigot against anybody who's a little bit different from you, I really don't give a fuck if you're afraid. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you for putting on the adult tag. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, and this, this is this is a very hot button issue for me because yes, you is. know I see this kind of stuff all the time with who to exclude and stuff like that, and it's disgusting to me how much people want to exclude other people for being different. And you know, again, especially something like the Girl Scouts, and and like I started this whole thing, a very special group to me had a lot to do with how I grew up. Um, I think really instilled a lot of values, and those values were about appreciating diversity and stuff like this. Sure. So somebody yeah. coming in and well, suggesting that that's the problem is is I don't use the term offensive to me very often. I, I don't think you guys have ever heard me say I found that offensive. I find this thing offensive, sure. especially in the well, Girl Scouts. Okay, but I'm here's here's the thing: is that with this this I, this young lady needs to be. I mean, she needs to be talked to, right? And 
And I have a fear that she's being threatened instead of being talked to. Right. I agree. I understand that's, that. And that's wrong. That's wrong, for sure. But and and like you say, we don't know how much she's being influenced by bigoted parents. Yeah. Uh, it, it it certainly doesn't seem like something, you know, again, as uh, as a kid, I don't know. I, why would you be afraid? It just doesn't make sense. I, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, I'm I, and, and I agree with out. as far as a fear of some a fear of people who are different goes. Everybody's different, and if and those who don't think that they're different are lying to themselves, and those that pretend they aren't different are lying to everybody else. Right. You know, everybody's a everybody's a sexual deviant to somebody. And I just wanted to make sure that we that we were trying to clarify her points as well as possible. Right. Not well, I'm agree. not saying I agree with her because I don't, but I wanted to be fair to what she was trying to say. Yeah. You want to back her up for for standing up for what she believes, even if you don't believe what she believes. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But but, uh, but pulling a bo- pulling a boycott on an organization like this is also pretty. Again, it doesn't seem to be in line with what would be a reasonable fear. No. You know what I'm saying? Like disagreeing with it and then kind of saying this organization that, again, in my opinion, has done quite a bit of good. Let's, let's screw them over. Right. Let's make sure that their money making proposition fails in protest over this issue because I'm not being allowed to discriminate the way I'd like to. Right. And the one thing that she was demonstrably wrong on is she said that the money from this was going towards like trans to help transgenders. And that's not true. The money from the cookies goes to the local, um, you know, chapters so, so that they can, you know, so they can do stuff. It's fundraising for the local chapters. It's, it's not for any sort of um, public organization or, or political organization. So she was, she was wrong on where the money was going to. And that was another thing that she claimed was the harm that, you know, this money is being, is going to, you know, support these things. And so, and so that she was factually wrong on. Although I guess, I guess if I'm hearing it correctly, she could be right in the fact that if the Girl Scouts are allowing this and she disagrees with this, the money is going to support an organization that supports something she doesn't like. Which is in true. Case, well, okay. Drop out. Right. Like, well, it's some- going to support a chapter who has a transgendered person. So yeah. So ultimately, it is going to benefit a transgendered person. Yeah. Know, it's just like I said, just so disgusting. A, a, an organization that that does so much great work on it, empowering sometimes the least empowered in our society, and then to be what? like, yeah, but we need to throw this person under the bus. Right. She has and- just missed the point of Girl Scouts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, see, I, I've had some issues with Boy Scouts. I myself am Eagle Scout. Both my boys are active in Scouts. I wasn't sure if they'd become active or not because I saw some of what was being, you know, preached. Um, officially, I shouldn't have any connection to Scouts at all if the rules were being followed. You know. Because and if they ever, because of your religious beliefs or right. lack thereof. Uh, yet, I've I've been a Scout leader, you know, with my boys. I've been active. They all know me. And if at any point I felt that the um, trooper pack that my boys were associated with was getting overly religious and really starting to push a religious agenda, I would drop out. But so far they haven't. So far they haven't pushed any of the stuff that, that's been claimed. They haven't dug into any of that. Um, you know, there's some religion there, and I sit and quietly respect it when you know they say prayers and stuff. You know, I, I don't say, "Oh my God, stop doing that." I, you know, I don't pray myself. I just give a moment of silence to let you know those that need it. And I. So, you know, I'm in a situation where quite often I'm like, you know, what, making sure I look at what they're preaching because, you know, if, if I did feel they were starting to cross lines, I might actually drop out because I don't agree with some of the ideas. But so far, at least the group I'm involved with, 
hasn't been, you know, really that big on it. Yet I do know of other scout troops and stuff that really push the religious agenda. So do they know you're an atheist, though? Do, do these people know that you're an atheist? I, I, I've not made a big deal over it. Right. Although I did hear um, that on a recent Eagle Board review, the boy did say he didn't believe in God, and he w was told, okay, listen, we won't discuss that outside of here. They said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, skip that idea. And Ooh. as long as you don't make a big deal out of it, you've earned it. Okay. You know, so the Boy Scouts have don't ask, don't tell now. I, I, yeah. Well, that's how it was. You know, I, when I got my eagle, I knew I did not believe in God. And I had talked to my parents ahead of time, because this was a big deal for my family. And we knew that was a possible question to come up with for the Eagle Board Review. And we talked about it and said, listen, if the question comes up, I'm, I'm not going to lie, but I'm going to say this is my con concept of how I would perceive God. I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in the God of the Bible. I don't believe in the biblical idea of God. But the essence of what God should represent to me, you know, and go into my beliefs. So, you know, to, and to me, that's how it should be. It shouldn't be taught you have to believe in God. You should just believe in the moral center of humanity kind of deal. You know, th there is something to believe in. There's something to put your faith in. It just doesn't have to be a, a invisible deity. Well, the question didn't come up in my board review, but I, you do hear about other Eagle Board reviews where it does come up and it does present an issue to some boys, especially since we're supposed to be honest. Right. And with it, you know, honesty, okay, I don't believe in your idea of God, but you want to say, um, you know, there's something more than just mere human existence? Yeah, there the, the, the definitely is, but it's not an invisible deity. It's something about, you know, what connects us to one another, what makes us, you know, unique. But that doesn't have to be the biblical God. And I look at the um, ideas of Boy Scouts, and if you want to look at them in truth, they should be all-inclusive. They shouldn't be um, saying that because you don't follow our beliefs that you don't belong. So I, I've, I've, you know, some of what we're going through here, I've, you know, I've had to deal with it myself firsthand of saying, listen, I don't think the Boy Scouts quite understand their own um, philosophies, because I've, you know, given that um, the Boy Scout law who knows how many times, what they say in there is, does not agree with the idea of saying, oh, the atheists and homosexuals aren't allowed. That goes against the, the um, Boy Scout law. So. All right. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a bigger issue, and I Way think bigger. you're absolutely right to point out that different troops handle it differently. They've unfortunately, I think, been corrupted at a national level. I was I was actually in Eagle Scouts myself, um, at least on Long Island where I grew up. It became co-ed after a certain um, point. But anyway, um, without getting yeah, into too much of that, I, I do think that that you know even even without that, that the Scouts can do some really great things. Anytime you're working with kids and you're teaching them how to do things and how to have faith in themselves and 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 yeah. become competent adults is an awesome thing. So right, I, I don't. I definitely don't want to rag on it completely. I I think there's a lot of room for um for understanding in there. And I'm again, we could have a whole other discussion on. It. I think you're right. absolutely right that the the values of the Boy Scouts does not include discrimination. It's just a corruption of of what people have done to it. Yeah, and see that that's the problem. You know, I want my boys in it because I think there's a lot they can gain from it. Mm -hmm. But you know, there are people in it that have corrupted it and taken the you know the wrong message from it. So yeah. not much you can do about that. All right, so let's uh let's move on now. Let's talk about is Taoism compatible with atheism? Okay, so we're going to do this a little bit different than we do most of our stuff. We are. Um, you guys can definitely feel free to chime in and ask questions. I've got a really kind of quick 
uh, uh, what do you call it, an outline that I'd like to go over. Okay. Um, but if there's anything confusing, um, definitely let me know. I'm already confused. I've been trying yeah, to figure I, out what, what Taoism is all about all day, and I still don't have a clear picture. Right, You're going to well, clear I'm it up for try me? I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a picture, but this is stuff people spend lifetimes on. Oh, yeah, so yeah. 15 minutes probably isn't going to do it. Okay. But um, let's see what happens, okay? okay go. And I will also admit before we start that I have a vested interest in this. I have the symbol for the Tao on my back as a tattoo. I got it when I was 21 or 22, a long time ago anyway. Because back in college, I was super into this, and I got the same tattoo as three friends of mine. We all went into a tattoo parlor. We were living together at the time. We've all got them. It's just kind of funny for me because it's been almost 20 years since I got it. I don't think about it too much. And at the same time, doing my research for this, I realized how much I've still incorporated into my life um, and then how much I don't anymore. So, um, yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting. Plus, it was just Chinese New Year's the other day, so it's you're um, the dragon. I thought now. it all fit together nicely. All right. So, all right. So, okay. So, Taoism is um, is a pretty ancient belief. It started the the and again the history. So much of Taoism is up for grabs. If I tell you it's this way, um, you will you will find someone else who says no, that's not right. It happened this way. Because the history is very confused and the belief systems are very, very scattered. So, again, just bear in mind, this is not the absolute, if you don't do it this way, you're not a Taoist. I'm not saying that at all. But it appears that it basically started developing around 1000 B.C., um, there was a big, in China, about 700 years of some really violent conflict. Um, and kind of after that, as people were picking up the pieces, this kind of thinking started. Um, what we know of Taoism today really kind of started um, more towards the, um, I don't know, about five or 600 BC, and really kept developing and, and figuring itself out until even two and 300 AD. So, um, and the other, at the same time that, that, that this thought, um, and, and, and idea kind of coalesced, um, in China it was known as the, the time of the hundred schools. There were basically all these different conflicting, um, or not always conflicting, but different ideas of what life was about, religions and, um, ethical maneuvers and stuff like that, um, kind of all happening at the same time. So there's a lot of reaction and, um, discussion between Taoism and Confucianism and Buddhism. Those are the three main, I guess you'd call them religions. For the, for the sake of brevity, I'm going to call them religions in this. Um, you can call them belief China. systems. Yeah, they really... Belief systems. I, I saw them referred to as belief systems as opposed to religions, but it's hard. It, they, you can conflate these very easily and get away with it. Very, very easily, yeah. yeah. We'll call them belief systems okay. for now. Correct me if I go off. But, um, but the three of these were kind of introduced into China around the same time. They're very much, in some ways, sympathetic to each other. They kind of absorbed each other's thoughts. And at the same time, you'll find some of them kind of really conflict and say, this is different than Confucianism. Like, you know, some will say Taoism um, developed as, as, a, um, as a reaction against Confucianism. Other times, you'll see some Confucianism in Taoism. So it's all very confusing. What's known as the Tao Te Ching, and I'm going to go through more about that in a minute, um, is the collected works, or kind of the initial collected works of Taoism, um, and seems to have come together somewhere between three and 400 BC, and it's attributed to uh, a figure called Lao Tzu. Um, also, I'll point out that I am terrible at pronouncing Who's the Chinese other one, Lao Tzu, so and what's the other person that it's attributed to? 
uh, is either Changzu or Zhuangzu. Zhuangzu. Um, he came later and, um, you know, really kind of clarified Taoism for a lot of oh, people. Oh, see, that's not... Okay, go ahead. I, I, I thought it was somebody else. Um, okay. Well, and they do... The names really change around a okay. lot, too. Um, I've never quite understood that with Chinese, but it does. Um, Brian, so let's talk you thinking about Sun Tzu? Sun Tzu, yeah. Yeah, and... No, Sun, Tzu Sun Tzu was the one Tzu who came up with the art different. of war. Right, yeah, who who yes. who never knew he was a Taoist because he wouldn't have known it. <laughs> it. It was very odd how they referred to this gentleman. Okay. Okay. I don't know much about the, uh, the that, art of war. Okay. So, um, so the Tao Te Ching is basically just an it's it's a, a collection of of poetry basically. There's 81 chapters. None of them are more than a page in length. Some of them are very very short, just six or eight lines. And um, really very different from other books in China at that time, um, because they were usually attributed to somebody, like, you know, um, kind of the old joke of Confucius say. Well, most of the passages of Confucius's or Confucianism do start with Confucius said blah, 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 and then there's a discussion about what he said. Um, the Tao Te Ching is very different. It doesn't, it doesn't attribute its wisdom to an individual so much. And so it's, it's a little bit different than that. Again, Lao Tzu is the, is the figure generally associated with creating or, or, um, or, or championing Taoism. Um, but the fact is that he most likely did not exist as a real person. Um, some people will absolutely insist that he did. And, um, but really it seems more like he's more of a metaphor or, um, perhaps a collection of people. Um, his name translates to either old master or old child. Um, so again, it has this more of a, um, of a combination or, a, or a, a title more than an individual. Um, so it could be a nom de plume. Well, no, because it really doesn't seem like there was one person claiming to be Lao Tzu in the historical record. Um, it's more, it's more attributed afterwards. Um, apparently around a, about 150 AD is when you started seeing biographies that actually depicted him as a living person. And they said that he lived between 500 and 600 BC, um, that he was a contemporary of Confucius and um, all this kind of stuff, which is, you could find records indicating it, but they seem very post hoc made up. Um, so again, you don't really know. Um, there's also a lot of beliefs that go around um, that have basically deified him. There's stories of him being uh, being um, gestating within his mother for 81 years, appearing suddenly when she leaned against a tree out of her armpit, and that she was so horrified by how old he was when he came out of her that she died right on the spot. Um, man, this probably died likely birth isn't of real. Man's gonna rip someone apart. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, okay. I, I, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It does follow some. Um, there's teachings about Buddha kind of happening similarly in some stories. Um, so it's it's clearly um, kind of being mythical. You know, it's also got that Athena kind of thing going on. Again, what I just want you to kind of take away from this is there probably wasn't a single guy named Lao Tzu, okay? Um, but my feelings on it is actually that it doesn't matter um, to Taoism whether or not he existed. For some people, it's a big thing, but for Taoism itself, um, I think if there even was one great master who wrote all these things down, he wouldn't have wanted the, it to be attributed to him anyway because it, it's, it's not about a person. So... Um, 
So let's talk about um, what the Tao is. So Tao translates literally to the way. And so you actually see it on street signs all over China. It's, you know, whatever broad way would be broad Tao. Um, so it's literally talking about a road, the way, and then, of course, there's all these connotations about it as more of a way of life. Um, and Tao Te Ching, so, is talking about the way. Te in that is um, virtue, power, integrity, or charisma. It's got a lot of different nuanced meanings like that. And Ching basically refers to just a classic. So it's a classic tome, a canon about the way and the virtue. Okay? Um, so they say that it's basically separated into two parts. Like I said, there's 81 chapters. The first 37, some people will refer to as the Tao Ching. And it's about, it's about the way. And then the 38 to 81 are called the Te Ching. And that's about, um, reflections on what, um, the Tao is and how you should live in accordance with it. Um, so other kind of interesting things about it. It doesn't really appeal to any kind of divine origins. It mentions heaven all over the place, but it doesn't really mention God or gods. Um, my interpretation is, and, and lots of people would disagree, that when it talks about heaven and earth, and it does quite frequently, um, it's really referencing the heavens as the universe, as the laws that make up the universe, gravity, um, things like that. And then um, when it's talking about earth, it's talking about basically day-to-day -day living. It's talking about ethics, the way people interact, society, laws, um, kind of the... <sighs> kind of nature on the scale that humans interact with, okay? And um, if I may, I'm just going to read real quick the very first chapter of, of the Tao Te Ching to kind of give you a sense of some of the poetry of it um, and, and how it, it really doesn't speak to any kind of specifics. So it says, and this is again, of course, obviously an American tr uh, translation or an English translation, and there are lots of different ones. Um, this one says, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the origin of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of myriad things. Thus, constantly without desire, one observes its essence. Constantly with desire, one observes its manifestations. These two emerge together, but differ in name. The unity is said to be the mystery. Mystery of mysteries, the door to all wonders. So, you're talking about a very different story or book than the Bible. Um, you're basically supposed to reflect on this and think about, um, you know, the wonders of the universe and what it all means coming together and stuff. But it's it's not like Confucianism or, you know, thou shalts. That's, that's not what this is doing at all. Okay? Um, other things I want to talk about, uh, there's a lot of references in the Tao Te Ching to water. That's like their favorite, the favorite uh, analogy of the Tao is, is to water. It's flowing, it's unstoppable, it's a medium rather than the object itself. It sustains life, um, it fits whatever it's put into, that, you know, analogy of look how perfect the water fits into this glass. You know, it's shaped exactly like the glass. Well, that's just the nature of water. Um, and I'll read you just one more quick one, if I may. Um, I think this is chapter 8. I didn't write it down. Uh, but it says, The highest goodness resembles water. Water greatly benefits myriad things without contention. It stays in place that people dislike. Therefore, it is, it is similar to the Tao. Dwelling with the right location, feeling with great depth, giving with great kindness, speaking with great integrity, governing with great administration, handling with great capability, moving with great timing, because it does not contend, it is therefore beyond reproach. So, um, 
just to finish up the Tao Te Ching, I just wanted to kind of say, I, I don't, I don't find that it's really trying to tell anyone exactly how to live life or exactly what to do, but to observe in the world what works best. Um, rather than fight against the world, the way things naturally happen, um, Taoism suggests that you flow with it instead. Um, and that you'll basically, the reason for it is just, you'll be better off. You will not be expending all your energy trying to fight something that's going to win against you. Um, easier is better. If you're trying too hard to get somewhere, uh, stop trying and you'll get there. So there's a lot of this conflicting kind of thought. Um, okay, some major Taoist concepts I wanted to go over real quick. Wu Wei um, is called effortless action. Uh, it's also been referred to as creative quietude or letting be. Um, and the goal here is basically with Wu Wei is to get out of your own way. Um, don't overthink things, but do what comes naturally and you stand a better chance of getting it right. Um, and you see, you've probably seen Wu Wei if you've ever seen people practice Tai Chi. It's again very associated with Taoism. It's this smooth kind of movement. It's supposed to be very fluid, um, moving with your body, not kind of making any poses that the body doesn't want to do. And as a martial art, it's all about rather than being on the attack, rather using force, it's it's using the other person's force, kind of like judo in some ways, but basically just just letting your just making yourself not the recipient of the target stuff um, rather than being on the attack um, another um, concept is called poo or uh, the uncarved block and this is basically the Taoist fascination with simplicity passivity and receptiveness um, there are no preconceptions or illusions there's no right or wrong things just simply are and um, and the uncarved block is just kind of keeps talking about how um, you want to appreciate things as they are without imposing your stuff on it. Um, the ethics of Taoism are sometimes referred to as the three treasures. Um, the first is compassion or kindness. The second is moderation, which you can also think of as simplicity or the absence of excess, and humility and modesty. Um, and a lot of people, you don't have to be too terribly high to come up with this if you're studying Taoism. Um, the Force in Star Wars is a lot like Taoism. Almost any of the things where in the movies they're talking about the Force, with the exception of midi-chlorians, which doesn't really happen, um, <laughs> is very similar to Taoism. So um, I know we always have to have our movie references. So oh, yeah, no, they're, they're important. They're important. So let me oh, ask yeah. you, what, what about the Eight was, Immortals? I'm sorry, with what? The Eight Immortals. Well, I, I'm just about to get into okay, that good. right now. Thank nice. you. Nice. Um, so, so that's kind of really, really super insanely quick um, basics of Taoism. Now, where I think things go off the rails uh, <laughs> with Taoism is the way a lot of people, and not just Americans, but this is in China as well, um, start to interpret things. Divination is a very, very strong point in um, in Taoism. It's very connected with the I Ching, which is um, you know kind of I Ching. Thank you. Sorry, you're right. Um, you know, w which is throwing. And I don't want to go into the whole thing, but it's a way of basically predictions. And there's like these 64, I think, forms that come in together. Um, but it's all supposed to be about reading the future and what's going to happen next. Um, there's a lot of belief in that, that, you know, using this kind of mystical, what we on this podcast especially know as cold reading exercises, um, 
to basically try to tell people what's going to happen next and influence their behavior. So that has a lot of connection with Taoism. Immortality and alchemy are another thing that get mixed up in the Taoism stuff. Um, there is this idea that um, if you somehow achieve the correct things in Taoism, you will become immortal. Um, again, that divination of Lao Tzu, um, in addition to the weird birthing story, um, are things about how he was 900 years old and well, lived forever yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I thought it was um, really interesting, though, listening to them talk about how how you got to the how you got to the point where you would live immortal, changing of your diet. Mm -hmm. um, the not having orgasms and conserving all that energy. Oh, not having orgasms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me address that. Living without <laughs> or living without orgasms doesn't make you immortal. It just makes you feel like you've lived like your like your life is really really. <laughs> no, long. but they were they were talking about how you 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 moved your diet more to the to the. Uh, to the yin as opposed to the yang, and that you eventually would just eat pine needles. <laughs> it's like really, yeah. It, it gets it gets really pretty crazy with that kind of stuff. The alchemy of turning things into other things of of it really seems to me to be very opposite of what Taoism should be standing for. But you find it all over the place. This mysticism about it. Um, you you take from it what makes sense, and you cast aside what doesn't. Yeah, I think unfortunately that happens. Yeah. There's also, um, you know, I tried to do some research on the history of Taoism and got just some bizarre sites that were talking about how, you know, some people say it's Lao Tzu, but really he got the information from immortal shamans who could fly and do all this, this crazy stuff. Um, just that very typical mystical, godlike, um, basically myths, the stories of myths um, get attributed to Taoism very easily. There's also a lot of anthropomorphism in Taoism. Um, you'll hear people talking about Tao, the Tao wants you to do this, the Tao wants you to do that, um, the Tao created X or Y or whatever, um, it wants this out of you. I personally don't find that in the Tao Te Ching, like that's not, I, wherever I see anything like that, I think it's very much speaking in analogy, but a lot of people, again, anthropomorphize it. What, what um, about this idea that when something bad happens to you, that there's an immediate opposite and uh, reaction? So if something bad happens to you, that something good happened to somebody else to make up for it, to keep this, this harmonious balance that's happening all the time. I didn't. I haven't seen too much of that. That's an interesting idea because there is that neutrality idea of the Tao. So I can, I can see where people would come up with this. You know, if something bad, then something good, so that it all evens out because the Tao is even Stephen all over the place. But I, I hadn't run into much of that myself. Well, yeah, this yeah. was an uh, a, a video of some some Tao master or whatever that I was oh, watching. Yeah. Like I said, you, you there's there's millions of people who follow the Tao and they might be even more there might be even more sects of Taoism than there are of Christianity and we all know what, what we're saying when we say that. Mm -hmm. Um so my my last where things go off the rails point um is that there can be a real anti science bent to Taoism as well. Um this idea that trying to study the Tao means that you're missing the Tao, that you can't account for all the variables because Tao, the Tao is so vast and stuff. Um, that it's, yeah, it's, that's why too that religions almost have to have. <laughs> right, exactly. That, that it's too smart for science. It knows, it, 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 it exceeds it. It's somewhere else. 
Um, and there's also, again, when you go back to the real core things, there's a whole lot of lack of test, uh, specific testable points. You know, in the passages I read to you, those are fairly typical. W- what are you going to pull out of there to test? You know, there's, there's not those specific claims. So, again, I'm really trying to skew through this because I don't want to take up too much time. But I come to my conclusion, is Taoism compatible with atheism? And when I say atheism here, again, I wanted to just point out, I am talking about not just simply um, the belief in God or the disbelief in God. Um, because, I, personally, for me, I feel atheism is a whole lot more than that. Um, and I in don't. The, the strictest reading of Taoism, it is an atheist religion. There is There are no gods... Um, specific to all of Taoism. Now, there are many, many sects that do deify lots of different things, um, and some of them have, you know, crazy numbers of them and stuff like that. But inherently, you are not receiving the, like, I don't think anybody really kind of comes through unless they're really, really crazy and says that, you know, um, the Tao Te Ching was written by God through men, the way that we hear literalists for the Bible interpret this is divine intervention. I have not, I'm sure there are some people who do it, but main, most of Taoism does not make that kind of a claim. So, in the strictest sense, yeah, it would fit with atheism. Um, again, I just don't think, I don't think that kind of theism and that hierarchy of gods is inherent in Taoism, but you do find people going off there. Right, but it is certainly, I mean, when you start looking at even the portions of it where they're just talking about the spirit and how the spirit is trying to leave the body, and you need to bring that spirit back in and retain that energy. Again, I would argue with you that that is manipulation of Taoism. I don't think that's inherent to the central tenets of Taoism. Well, I got a video for you on that, too. No, no, and like I said, I, I, I don't doubt that you could find people saying all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and I, I can't, you know, can't even say, like, the, the I don't want to get into the one true Scotsman fallacy either, that those aren't real Taoists or anything Well, like this that. gentleman came here to teach Taoism to the Western world. And, you know, right. and there's lots of people sure and there's lots of, yeah, yeah, well, I, I would imagine, you know, yeah. I mean, um, but so, I mean, well, isn't that kind of against the kind of basic tenets? Taoism is based on the Tao Te Ching, which yeah. is the way I was taught it, that everything else is kind of, you know, different people's interpretation of it, but this is the inherent part of Taoism. Then these kind of things that you're referring to are not part of that core stuff. Well, It'd be like kind of suggesting that something that appears in Dante's Inferno must be canon if you're going to believe in God. I think, though... I think most people would argue it. you don't have to buy all of that. I, yeah, but how that much, might be uh, true. the religious ideas nowadays are not in the Bible? I mean, angels in the Bible do not look like what we've depicted them. Jesus doesn't look like what we've depicted him. The Catholic Church's idea of... Um, well, actually, the majority of what they do isn't in the Bible. Right, so, but, but would you agree, though, that if, if you and I were trying to come to the core of what Christianity is, we'd probably leave out what Jesus looks like and the shape of angels. Like, we'd be going for something deeper as to what the core of it is. Okay, but here's the thing. It doesn't... I, I, I think that the predominant views are the ones I'm talking about. That's how people are promoting this way of thinking. And, right. you know, and, this and belief I'm, system. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut you down for just a minute just so right. I can get through the rest of my notes because I kind of wind up in the same place you are. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've got two, two points on here where I agree that Taoism should be compatible with atheism and ultimately conclude that it can't. Okay. You go then. I'll be quiet. <laughs> now that, now that I know that we agree, you can go. <laughs> 
Um, so anyway, I, again, I think that, that there is a way it could be, but I'm with you. I don't think it winds up that way. Um, let's see. I don't think, again, in the core text that there's really anything, um, if you understand that it, there are metaphors and allusions to things to try to explain it, that I don't think there's an inherent belief that the Tao is a supernatural entity that is kind of starting the universe. Like, I, I'm sure some people would use it this way, but I don't think it's inherent that first cause is the Tao or anything like that. I didn't get that either. That argument yeah. series. Not that I'm sure people haven't made it. Um, I didn't find it when Dao, I was looking, so that's good. Okay. So, in my opinion, Tao is just the word that encompasses the laws of the universe. Gravity, thermodynamics, nature. Um, and what it really just comes down to is simply suggesting that you should respect that. You should go with it rather than fighting against it. Um, you know, that... Um, I also think Taoism is, again, inherently inquisitive, curious. It wants to understand the world, and that's why would you'd, you'd come to Taoism is to is to understand the world better and your place in it. Um, I think it also has the humility to recognize that we're not always going to be able to know all the answers. That I don't know is a is a very good answer in Taoism. There's there's no shame in it, and I think very much likewise that should be the same thing in science and skepticism and atheism. You should be able to say I don't know when you don't, and there shouldn't be any shame in that. You shouldn't have to have all the answers. So I think in that kind of way they're compatible. Um, I also think that. Um, Again, the, the essence of Taoism is about an enjoyment and appreciation of life. Clearly, we're not talking about orgasm denial here. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that's completely compatible with atheism and, and the skeptic outlook on life. Um, because, again, just my final thought on that is rather than focusing on those I wish for this or it comforts me to think that, Taoism tries to always come back to dealing with what is. When you read all those passages and, and, and start to understand understand them they're about saying the world works this way doesn't matter what you think this is what it is and here's a hint if you go with it you're going to have an easier time with it but like i said unfortunately in many ways the current practice of taoism especially here in the west makes it almost impossible for an atheist to take taoism seriously um as you guys have already pointed out there is a ton of woo here um or potential for for woo anyway no no i um, cannot find anything that isn't wooish when i was looking especially on youtube yeah, I, 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 I'll tell you the truth. I didn't look at YouTube at all for Taoism. It was, it was great. From my training in college, I'm going to sound like a total like snob here, but from my training, um, anybody who tries to predict or, 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 or try to encompass Taoism in a YouTube video is already failing because it's just not how it's done. Um, <laughs> but what I'm referring to is kind of with the people who um, simply take the old cliches and and basically just insert Tao instead of God into them. You know, it's yeah. the same failed argument, but now it's Tao instead of God. So I, you know, it, it's know, it's crazy. Um, anyway, like I said, there's there's a lot of deification that's run wild in the in the understanding of it, not just with Lao Tzu, but with those eight immortals and um, all sorts of things. Like I said, you, you you don't have to go very far to find you know the shamanistic idea of things. Um, you know, lost knowledge, ancient wisdom, 
all that stuff is very, very easy to pick out of there. I, it also has all the hallmarks of the quantum fallacy. And by that, um, I don't know if that's an official fallacy or whatever, but that be. idea that if you ascribe it to quantum, then you're done with your argument. And of course, it's that's bullshit. Um, but by the same token, you know, whenever you have something you don't want to understand and you're like, I don't know, how does this, how does drinking this particular $60 vial of water help me? It's the Tao aligning this shit or that crap in your head. Again, it, it's it's just a, it's another fallacy. The Tao is so undefinable in its core documents that it can be absolutely anything you want to make money with it. Sure. Um, sure. Um, I think there's also a lot of Luddites in um, that that promote Taoism. Um, there's that even even in those core documents, they kind of have this um, look back at you know the way things were in the good old days, like in the beginnings when everybody was in accordance with nature and the Tao flowed freely or whatever. Um, everything was great, you know. And of course, uh, I, I say of course because it's obvious to me, but things were never greater. <laughs> In the past, you know, that's just nostalgia and this um, this kind of fake idea. Um, and so, and finally, um, you know, we can call it a belief system, but it has been a religion for hundreds, thousands of years now. Um, and I think I think it's, it might be kind of a religion light, but I think it's still too much religion for that for that that atheist mindset to really be able to accept. There is some good parts though about. You know, the, the meditation parts, you know, the centering of yourself and some stuff like mm -hmm. that, which I think is good. Um, yep. But I, I don't think I would have to go to Taoism to do that. I could just take a medicate meditation class and yeah. get plenty of woo at the, on, at the same time, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, what I what I kind of realized when getting back into all of this was, was how when I'm at my best, I really do go back to some of these Taoist principles. You know, this idea that when I find myself banging my head against the wall for something that I'm trying to do in my life, and I realize that I'm trying to make a situation or, or whatever in my life into something of my designing, rather than acknowledging that this is the way it is, and by accepting that, I could probably incorporate it into my life better than trying to change it, that I'm usually more mm. successful. That's the opposite again, of the secret. Yeah, it actually yeah. totally is. Um, and, but I, I mean, I find that works for me when I achieve that kind of calmness to kind of objectively see the situation and objectively see things as they truly are. Now, again, to your point, do you need Taoism for that? No, that's just kind of a truism. Um, right. but, you well, know, for me, it, it, it harkens back to those, those studies and, sure. and that kind of stuff that I've done before. To me, one thing about atheism is we take from what makes sense. We, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, is Taoism compatible with atheism? As much as you want it to be, just like Christianity. I mean, the golden rule makes sense. I, I, I like the golden rule. I love it. It's the number one thing out of the Bible that I think everyone should, you know, pay attention to and think about. And there's other things in the Bible that work. So, you know, to that level, Christianity is compatible with atheism because there's stuff within it that works, that you can use to guide your life. So, you know, you don't have to take a full, as an atheist, I don't have to take the full body of anything. I can look to it and say, this is what makes sense, this is what works, I want to take it and um, use it as a philosophy for my life. Well, that's rationalism. So anything compatible. Right. Yeah, but that's I think rationalism. That's I, I mean, idea that, of, yeah. You know, how an atheist is, is that they sit back and say, we don't have a doctrine, we look and just take what's rational makes sense to guide us in our lives. It doesn't matter where it comes from. If it has, if, if it works, we're going to follow it. 
So, you know, in that regards, anything, you know, can be compatible with atheism as long as within the body of it, there's something that works. You don't have to, we don't take the full scope of it. We take the pieces that say, hey, this is what makes sense. This is what I like. I will follow those guidelines. Yeah, that's, and so, that's just part of the rationalist view of things. Right. All right. Well, I think that, uh, we have spent enough time there. All right. We could spend more, I'm sure, but we would have to go yeah, into like the said, craziness of it. You can, you can do all it. sorts of studies and talk about very specific people's thoughts on it and stuff like that. They really do go all over the place. Right, but here's the thing. Uh, it was interesting. I tried to find out. I tried to get kind of a definition, and I started reading all this stuff, and it and it and it it ebbed and flowed and never got to a point. It's like, wow, this is really complicated. And so I got on YouTube and said, okay, Taoism, and I went right to the right to the people that are that are teaching it, and and uh, that's where I started to get. You know, they 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 give you clear cut ideas of what it is, and they're they're silly. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, they give you their, they give you clear idea, clear cut ideas of what they believe it is. Yeah, but at least I knew the crazy when I was done. But that's one of the problems, right? Is that that is that what it truly is is so much more complicated than than a couple of couple of guys who want to sell you something. They'll tell you how easy it is. Yeah, I do have to say I I enjoyed the hell out of my college experience. We we would. Um how should I say, achieve altered states and read the Tao <laughs> to one another and discuss on the beach for hours and hours on end. And it was absolutely the best college experience that I can even imagine. Um, and it really, I mean, it, there really is a lot in there. If you like poetry, I, I, I really would recommend the Tao Te Ching just to read and contemplate on and, and do that meditation and stuff. Like I said, I don't... I don't think you come out of it like you have to believe any particular thing or um, or that it would even necessarily change up the way you do things or, or your belief systems. But I do think there is some wisdom in there that can be incorporated. So Absolutely. So it was, it was definitely fun to do some of that research and stuff. All right. Okay, are, are we doing baby names or are we done? I think we're done. I think so too. Okay. We say baby <laughs> names. Well, that, that, that's actually, that, I mean, it's that, that's a good enough place to end on. So. That was fun. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivative 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 